We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And joining us today for the Midweek Pod, it is Tracy Sandler, the 49ers fangirl of the Fangirl Sports Network, the Get My Job podcast on Blue Wire. You can find that site at FGSN.com. You can find her on Twitter at 49ers fan girl. She's on Instagram at Tracy Sandler. <laughs> Noted Dodger fan, Arizona Cardinals apologist. Let's get into it. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. You're welcome. Thank Tracy you. Sandler's here, everybody. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Chris. How's it going? It's good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, Tracy's coming to us live from some shack because she wanted to watch the Dodgers. Correct. Yeah. Tracy's <laughs> foregoing her nice podcast ass. setup as a professional podcaster mm. to some Jimmy Riggs situation in her living room so she can watch the Dodgers game. There is an NL West race going on and one must have their priorities straight. Could you, have you explained publicly like how, you know, the 49ers and Dodgers fandom, because that's not very common, right? I did early and I would love to do it on this podcast, okay. but I Let did early in the season on Twitter, Okay, but I will, it's not, it's not that long an explanation. I'm from Los Angeles. Uh, my grandparents bought Dodger season tickets when the Dodgers moved to Los Angeles in 19, well, when the Dodger stadium was built in 1962, we've had the same tickets forever. Uh, so I grew up on the Dodgers and I love them. I became a 49er fan because I love Joe Montana, but it's actually weirder that I ever liked the 49ers because I'm from LA and that is where it comes from. And I love the Dodgers so, so very much as anybody who follows me, even for half a day could tell you. Well, I think Kyle and I are mostly agnostic to to the NL West because we're fans of a certain team in uh, in the American League West. Mm-hmm. So um, I can I think I'll I'll speak 
for you on your behalf. Like if you're a 49ers fan, try not to hold it too much against Tracy. The fact that she likes Dodgers, like nobody's perfect. It's who she is. We all have flaws, et cetera, et cetera. And I love them so much. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys, yes. I've, I've, I've bore witness that's, to this in person. The- that's the thing. It's just like, as long as you're not one of those people that's like, oh yeah, I just like whatever team LeBron James is on, you know, just like your right. teams. I don't care how you yeah. like them or when and just, I don't know. I love that. I literally bleed blue. Wow. Literally? You can get that checked out. <laughs> There's no way that's healthy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not great. Um, Let's, so the first, the we, first two weeks of the season, 49ers are two and oh, they played a mostly sharp game against the lions, at least for three quarters. And then a sloppy game against the Eagles, but one which they sort of took control of just before the end of the first half. So Tracy in summation, what's your take on the 49ers right now after watching the first two weeks? First of all, I like the term in summation. So I will summarize my take on the 49ers is they do seem to be able to find ways to win, but You can be sharp for three quarters and then almost lose it against the Lions. You can be sloppy and then get it together against the Eagles. I don't know that you can do that against the Packers, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks. So I think they're going to have to clean that up. Chris last night was talking about, and I can't get this idea out of my brain, and so I'm just kind of slowly going to keep bringing it up until it's then my idea. Great. Um, (laughs) I will give you credit for it for sure. (laughs) So Chris, Chris talked about tying everything back to 2019 mm-hmm. and going through, I think you said the check marks, Chris, or the benchmarks of 2019 and kind of where they're at, where this team is at versus that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, and Tracy, I want your thoughts on this. I feel like where they are now, and it might just be because I've seen this, this kind of sort of version of the 49ers go to the Super Bowl. I feel like they are now ahead of where they were at this point in 2019 where they'd snuck past the Buccaneers and then they beat what turned out to be a bad Bengals team. Mm -hmm. I feel like they've looked better through the first two weeks this year than they did in, in, in that season. I would agree with that. Hmm. I I would agree with that. And it's, it does feel 2019 if that's a word, which now it, now it is 2019 in that they are finding ways to win games. It may not be pretty, but they're winning. Um, And I think we are kind of seeing that formula, but I would agree with you. I do think they look better than they did then. Cause it was, I remember in 2019 when they went to an O all of a sudden it was like, Oh, this team may, this team might just be a contender. This Mm -hmm. team might really be good. And I think now we went into the season feeling like the team was a contender and they've so far proven us right. But I still think, they're going to have to clean up a little bit of the sloppiness because they got a tough few weeks ahead of them. Yeah. You know what? I, I think I disagree with you guys and, you know, just thinking well, about I am 20... out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, but when I think about that 2019 season, you remember the first half of it when they didn't lose a game, they were dominating all of these bad teams. Right. And the whole conversation was, well, we don't know, or from nationally, I think locally, we all had an idea that the 49ers were pretty good, but nationally it was like, well, the 49ers have beaten up on bad quarterbacks uh, and they they haven't really done it against a good opponent yet until all those good opponents started coming in the second half of the season. So like those games against like Cleveland and uh, the Rams, I guess the, the Rams game in 2019 felt like really the coming out party because the Rams were still good and coming off that Super Bowl appearance. 
but like for for most of that year it was the 49ers haven't beaten anybody even though they were beating teams pretty uh convincingly and i don't know that they've won these two games against teams i would probably put in that same tier of that conversation i don't know if it's been as convincing right and and like going back to that 2019 team the roster felt more complete than this one does because I think we could all agree that the cornerback situation is certainly worth monitoring. And I frankly would be shocked if they didn't, if they didn't trade for somebody at corner. Did you say oh, corner? I wasn't sure. Which yeah. Corner, um, not quarterback. <laughs> I think the cornerback um, situation is a little bit of a disaster and maybe what brings them down. I'm right. sorry. And also, <laughs> and also the running back situation, yes. which I, I'm not super worried about. Like I, I think um, Kyle Shanahan and, uh, and everybody on, on in the offensive staff, like they can get enough out of whatever running backs they need to um, that, that they end up signing. Like, I think that they, they can do enough uh, to keep the offense rolling from a running game standpoint. Um, but overall, I think that 2019 team was a little more complete than this one, but I will say that I think this team just looks a little bit more experienced, right? It's a, it's more tested. It's mm-hmm. been through much more, obviously, just because they're two years removed from that. They experienced 2019 and they experienced 2020. And now they're a team that's like, I think, probably more resilient um, mm-hmm. and and a little more uh, just overall um, experienced and savvy, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that does make sense. I could agree with you. But I do think you bring up a really good point at corner that is could be a very big problem, especially against the receivers in their own division. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot that remains to be seen there. Um, so. hey, that's a, it's I'm, actually, I'm, go ahead. I'm trying to put myself in the brain space of where I was in 2019 when they beat the Bengals and just kind of like what I thought, because I came out of week two this year going, I thought the defense was really good against Philadelphia. They look like they're trending the right direction. Mm-hmm. Chris, you brought up on, on yesterday's podcast how the first couple weeks, whether coaches are going to admit it or not, are almost like preseason games now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think the 49ers are going to start rolling as the season goes along. And I think that Jimmy Garoppolo has been was better in week one than he was in week one, 2019. And he saved the first quarter was was fine on Sunday in Philadelphia. And that Philadelphia defensive line was better than anything they saw in the first two weeks of 2019. So I'm trying to remember in that season when it was like, huh, like that. Oh, they're good. They're not just beating Mason Rudolph. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it just I'm. So that's but what was... that's the tough part for me right now when trying to kind of compare where they're at, because I went in thinking that this team could win the Super Bowl, and there's been nothing that's happened the first two weeks that made me think otherwise. I didn't think the 2019 team could go to the Super Bowl until week like 10. Yeah, what what's interesting about where the 49ers are at right now is they have three really interesting games, right? Against mm-hmm. the Packers, against the Seahawks, and then at Arizona. And then Tracy's Cardinals. Yeah, Tracy's Cardinals. We can talk about that in a second. <laughs> but so these three games are going to be a really good litmus test and ultimately give Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch a really good idea of what their strengths and weaknesses are as a roster. And their buy comes, what, two or three weeks ahead of the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. So it's they have, you know, 
it's their regular season games against Detroit and Philadelphia, but, but just for the purpose of the season, I think those games they're wins. So they're important, but I think they're going to serve more that they're going to be more beneficial in the way of um, serving as preseason games or like just, just time for all the starters to get on the field, get calloused, get used to playing football and now like the real push is going is going to start just based on who your opponents are. Um, so I think, you know, obviously the buy happening so early in the season might not be ideal, but just the way the team set up and the way these next three games are, are slated to go. We're going to have a very good idea of how good the 49ers are after three weeks, whereas in yeah. 2019, like you said, Kyle, it, it took a long time to figure out exactly how good they were because they weren't beating any of those really good teams until late in the season when they beat the Packers and they beat the saints and they beat Seattle on the road and they almost beat Baltimore on the road. Um, So I, these are, these next three weeks are going to be fascinating. Well, and it'll be also very interesting to see on Sunday. We really don't know how good the Packers are yet either. Mm, So this is a really interesting game for both of these teams because the Packers got annihilated in week one. They ended up, of course, um, annihilating the Lions on on Monday night. But I think we can probably agree the Lions aren't great. That was probably a nice way to say that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see on Sunday for both of these teams, like just how good are they? My gut tells me the 49ers win this game and win it relatively easily. But it's going to be an interesting litmus test. But then I think for the 49ers, it becomes like, all right, so they beat the Packers if they do then they've Seattle and then Arizona on the road. I mean, this, it's interesting. This team could be four and one going into the bye. Um, they're probably not going to be five and zero, but they, it just feels again, a little 2019. Like I wouldn't yeah. be entirely yeah. surprised if they were, it feels like they have to go into the bye four and one. They absolutely have to, yeah. or it becomes a whole or like a big Jimmy Garoppolo. Thing. I mean, I think it becomes yeah. a distraction and a problem for the team. I actually don't think it benefits them. Take the record out of it. I don't think as a team it benefits them. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're if you're losing two of those, that means you're either losing two division games, mm-hmm. or or losing to the Packers and then losing one of your next two. Yeah, and I mean three and two isn't horrible after five weeks, but just given how tight the NFC West is going to be, you can't you can't afford to lose both of those. Totally agree. I think they need, they do need to be four and one. I think that's a very be winning two out of these next three. um, I think really has to be the goal. I think obviously you want to win all three and if they win all three, then I'll feel very comfortable saying the 49ers are probably the favorites in the NFC West, unless the Rams. I mean, mean, if the Rams are undefeated too, then that Rams have Tampa Bay this week. Yeah. Rams have Tampa Bay, but it is in LA. Um, Rampa Bay. (laughs) Um, By the way, just a fun fact, first time Tom Brady will have ever uh, played a, started a game in Los Angeles. Is that correct? Played a game in Los Angeles. So there you go. Fun Tracy's fact. Tracy's bringing up Tom Brady because she wants to tell the world that she knows Tom Brady. That's not true at all. I bring up Tom Brady because that is a fun fact. Like all these years he's been playing football since the beginning of time and he's never played a game in Los Angeles. I think that's a big deal. Fun. Okay. Speaking of fun facts, when's the first time you met Tom Brady and what was the scenario? <laughs> um, I met Tom Brady at the the University of Michigan. Um, he is a little bit older than I am. I just want to throw that out there. But um, I did meet Tom Brady <laughs> at a party at the University of Michigan and a 
No, that's not true. That's not what I met Tom Brady. I met Tom Brady at Rick's, uh, Rick's American Cafe, a bar in Michigan. And somebody said, you two should know each other. You're both 49ers fans, California kids. And that's how we became friends. So oh, friends. Yeah, they're friends. We were friends. I would what say a flex. <laughs> I know. An incredible flex. Tracy, Tracy and Tom Brady are friends. Apparently. Hang on, we need to that, redo the intro. We need but, to redo the intro. Get my job podcast. That being said, if you told Tom Brady, if you met him and you said, I know Tracy Sandler, he would be like, Oh, Tracy Sandler used to make me cookies in college. FGSN.com <laughs> at 49ers fangirl on Twitter, Tracy Sandler on Instagram, Dodgers fan, Cardinals apologist, Tom Brady's good friend. <laughs> now I'm a good friend. Adding strong. to the list. Tom Brady's <laughs> good friend might be strong, but. There you go, guys. So, all right, more gassing Tracy up. So, in um, yeah. in August when we, had, when we had when we had our when we had our at Cooperage, uh, we were analyzing the NFC West and taking questions about the NFC West. And one of the questions I forget did I I don't know if I came up with it or somebody in the in the crowd did, um, but it was who's the biggest threat to the 49ers in the NFC West? And I think I said the Rams. Somebody said the Seahawks and Tracy was the only one on the panel uh, who said the Cardinals. And we all kind of looked at Tracy a little sideways because I think coming into the season, it was fair to expect both Seattle and L.A. to be better than Arizona. Um, but Arizona has come out on fire and is 2-0. Um, Kyler Murray is an MVP candidate, at least through two weeks. Mm-hmm. And Tracy looks really smart. So, Tracy, what was the genesis of your take about the Cardinals? I- it was, it was a couple of things. I think, first of all, I felt like Kyler Murray was really going to come into his own this season. So again, looking like a genius. But the other thing I think with the Cardinals that makes them dangerous is I think you very much know what you have in the Seahawks. You very much know what you have in the Rams. The Cardinals kind of every week, you just, you don't know. So these first two weeks, they look incredible. That could continue. I just think you, they're a little more, you don't entirely know what you have. And that to me makes them more dangerous because which Cardinals are going to show up. Now, that being said, if these last two weeks are any indication, then you're going to know exactly what you have in the Cardinals. But when I said it, that was my thought process. But that combined with the fact that I really felt like Kyler Murray, he's obviously a very special player. And I felt like this year that he was really going to uh, come into his own. So the fact that the Cardinals offense seems to be like Kyler run around and do stuff. It's like Jim Carrey in a movie. Like if you've ever like listened to Jim Carrey be interviewed about his movies, there was like parts of scripts. It would be like Jim does something funny. And that's like Cliff Kingsbury's like, yeah, Hey, the line's going to do this receivers. You do this. And then Kyler do stuff. It just kind of seems like that's their offensive MO. And I don't know how much, how long that can last. I think Kyler can put up huge numbers. I just worry about the sustainability of that as an offensive attack for a team that's going to win. 12 games so is kyler murray is kyler murray the jim carrey of quarterbacks that's a thousand percent what i'm saying wow that's that's an incredible take i watched i watched uh myself and kyle last night and i totally (laughs) get what you're saying it's a really that's right um i do think though kyle you bring up a good point because that is what happened to the cardinals last year like let's not forget the first half of the season they looked pretty much unstoppable and then it was like uh you guys can't see me but my hand motion is going downhill slide Um, and it was, and it happened fast. So it will be interesting to see, but again, that's why I think they're dangerous because you don't know which Cardinals are showing up every week. So 
that was my take. That was the reason for my take other. And uh, the other reason of course, is that I'm just a, a football genius mind. And I, I know that. <laughs> Sure. And you discovered Tom Brady too. And I discovered Tom Brady. I also discovered Barack Obama, but that's a story for a different time. Oh wow! <laughs> I didn't know we were getting political in here. <laughs> uh, no, so so the the thing with the Cardinals just Cardinal Stick Chronicles here. Um, <laughs> I I I think you're right in that the Cardinals, like I would never pick a team. I'm in a survivor pool, right? I would never pick a team playing against the Cardinals. It could be the chiefs. It could be Tampa Bay. It could be pick a good NFL team because the Cardinals can beat, I think any team on a given day. Like you said, I think that's a hundred percent. Right. But my, my, my quote unquote concern with the Cardinals is like, if they played the Niners 10 times, could they beat them seven? Probably and not. That's a, I, that's, that's, that's where, that's where I went twice. I buy like I'm buying the 49ers more than I buy the Cardinals. Yeah, I That's think that they only play them twice and the Cardinals have given them trouble over the last couple of years. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I, I think we've seen with Arizona too, like their upside is very high and they can beat <laughs> anybody on any given week. But how much do you trust them? Right. Like you can you can have a really high upside in the ability to beat anybody, but having confidence that that team can win 12 or 13 games and win the NFC West is a much different conversation, in my opinion. Well, and I think the other thing when I made that take too in my head was who am I, who would I be most concerned about them beating in the NFC West? And if I could see them, they lose to the Cardinals twice. They're not going to be in great shape. So that, that is, was kind of my thought on it too, because they have given them trouble. That makes sense. But, you know, we'll see. We um, time will well. We'll see soon. Actually, just three weeks. three weeks. Three weeks down in Arizona. Yep. The, the, red, the, the Niners return home. The forty. <laughs> Turn home to Very Arizona. Good. I wonder if the. Nah, never mind. Well, now you Arizona. <laughs> Can we just gloss over the fact that I was all excited to talk about Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura, and you guys just like. Oh, I thought on. you were doing a bit. Let's talk about it. Oh it, my god, it, let's talk. I, about, I love Ace Ventura and Jim Carrey. It's such a good movie. It I was, thought you were totally my, making fun of me. My, it was my favorite movie like from that year, it and was it was on last movie. night, and it was just completely absurd. And it was like what you're saying, Kyle. It was just like Jim Carrey just does stuff. Yeah, it's like there's no director, there's no writer. It's just like, hey, Jim, do your thing with this character, and like that was what what this, you said about Jim Carrey was a thousand percent right, and why it's funny that that Kyler Murray might be the Jim Carrey of quarterbacks is like Jim Carrey was really funny for a little while and, and peaked had a very high peak. And then like, I don't know if he came crashing down necessarily, but it just wasn't, it wasn't sustainable. Bruce almighty felt like the end. I, I didn't even see Bruce almighty. I didn't see Bruce almighty either. <laughs> the scene with Jim Carrey. Um, talking to tone Loke in the police department. Is me. may I ask you a all time hilarious thing for me? When, uh, um, but yeah, no, the... that's just that's just kind of what Kyler reminds me of. Is it's like, yeah, there's other stuff going on. Like the movie has a plot, and Roger Predactor dies, and all that jazz. But like, spoiler, spoiler alert! alert. <laughs> uh, and it turns out it was Ray Finkel. There will be one person on Twitter who's it's like, "Thanks a lot, guys. I did not see that." I'm catching up on every movie ever, and I'm not to 1994 yet. 
Um, I, I didn't I don't think I fully understood this line when I was seven years old when that movie first came out. But when Einhorn comes down and says, why don't I make your life a living hell? And he says, I'm not, I don't know if I'm quite ready for a relationship, Lois, but thanks for asking. Like that was an incredible line and I completely missed it in my childhood. Yeah, no, it's one of those ones you get later, but that's so funny. God, when he's, so when, he's good. when he's eating the sunflower seeds and like picking them out of his mouth and the guy goes, would you like an ashtray? And he goes, I don't smoke. It's a disgusting habit. He's like digging the sunflower seeds out of his mouth. My it's, favorite oh. is Ventura. Satan? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were somebody else. <laughs> Oh, great oh, movie! Good so good. Might have to do a rewatch of that during the off season, Chris. Ace, Ace Ventura. It's technically hey, Ace Ventura is a football movie. It is. That's true. true. Yeah, it it, and when he does the fake dive keeper over the hedge, oh, it's, yeah. it's so good. There was it was really funny too because the Dolphins were playing a home Super Bowl, and the media apparently in the movie was obsessed about the halftime show with the Dolphin. Like, <laughs> like there was a media horde trying to talk to snowflake when snowflake was missing <laughs> it we was just it, it was very funny like I think we could be, feel that way it wasn't it wasn't quite shakira and j-lo having snowflake kick shakira, a ball shakira, never figured no if you could dance like this i'm sorry i whoa, got whoa, i got whoa whoa <laughs> can we cut that <laughs> That was a lot. That was the most you musical said, this podcast has ever been. You said yeah. Shakira, and immediately my hand goes Shakira, Shakira. Okay, I'm done now. It was a it was I'm a great a, halftime show. I was not a, I was not disappointed with that halftime show. 49ers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. You know why? Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. See, what TickPick did is they got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge. That's why I don't go to those sites anymore, because those fees are ridiculous. It allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. You don't believe me? You can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site. If you can do that, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. The 49ers open with two games on the road, but they are back at Levi Stadium September 26th. It's a Sunday night football game at home against the Packers. My mom, my mom has already gotten her ticket. She goes with her friends. I don't have a ticket yet. I'm going to go to TickPick.com and get my tickets there because I'm not going to be charged service fees. I'm going to get the best possible price. And that's what your boy is looking for. I'm going to go enjoy the atmosphere. It's going to be electric. I can't wait to be there. And you should be there too. So visit tickpick.com slash candlestick today and use the promo code candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. Do that right now. And we will see you at Levi stadium on September 26th. I want to stick in the NFC West real quick. Okay. <laughs> as we just dramatically Get us back on the rail. Yeah. Okay, fine. Try transitions are weird. Anyways, the NFC West, am I right? I will say though, as as like the reason I feel good about the 49ers is not from what I've seen through two weeks, is that I think they will get better as the season goes on, Mm -hmm. particularly at quarterback. Like I think Jimmy Garoppolo, if you see what he did in 2019, he got off to the slow start. And then his last like eight games, he was really excellent. And I think if they can get that kind of same, uh, if they get a similar jump this year, but he's better through the first part of the season where he's then better in the second half, mm-hmm. um, I think it puts them, 
think it puts them in a really good spot to continue contending. But I will say, even though the Seahawks lost to Tennessee, um, I think the Seahawks are are really good. Um, I think they just got Derrick Henry. Like Derrick Henry went for like eight and eighty six yards and a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Um, and he broke off like a sixty five yard touchdown or something. Uh, the Cardinals are two and zero. Granted, they could be one and one, but Tracy, you laid out all the points why they're why they're really tough. And then the Rams have looked as as good as I thought they would, and maybe even better to start the year. And for San Francisco, there has to be a jump because if they play the way they've played the first two weeks, I don't think they're hanging with either, any of those three teams. So I think what needs to happen for the 49ers is George Kittle and, and Brandon Ayuk need to start mm-hmm. getting on a roll. Yeah. Right. It, it needs to be more than just Debo Samuel in the passing game because you're going to have to make up for deficiencies in the running game and potentially deficiencies on defense. And the best way to do that is have your potential your star player in George Kittle and a potential star player in Brandon Ayuk to, to take their game to a different level in terms of just production. Right. And like, that's one thing I'm very curious to, to ask Kyle Shanahan about this week is, is about the usage of George Kittle in the passing game mm-hmm. and just how he, how we got there, right. How, how he gets to a point where, um, George Kittle is only catching four passes and and like how that just how, how like maybe it was what the Eagles were doing. Maybe it was the game plan. Maybe you just want him in the block only like how, how you got to four catches and 17 yards on Sunday that like I'm trying to figure out how we got there with Kyle Shanahan, like from Kyle Shanahan, if that makes sense. Yeah. But so for the 49ers to take that next step and for me, at least to feel a lot better about where they are, particularly in comparison to 2019. You need to you need to see it from those guys, too, because you remember in 2019 where he most wasn't great early on in the year. But as the season wore on and particularly in the second half, when the 49ers did start winning all those games against really good opponents, mm-hmm. Mostert was playing really well and yeah. would have like a 40 yard touchdown run um, at, here and there. And, and like his bulk numbers weren't great, but he scored a lot of touchdowns. He scored touchdowns in the last six games. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, and it wasn't like he only had 772 yards for the whole season, but he was a super impactful player. Right. So you're going to need that type of impact to come in other ways. And it's probably going to have to be Brandon Ayuk and obviously George Kittle, because um, I don't know if you're getting that from the running backs. Not that the 49ers won't be able to run the ball, because I do have faith that they'll be able to run the ball even while they're dealing with these injuries, just because of the infrastructure and Kyle Shanahan and Bobby Turner and Mike McDaniel but you are going to need more guys than just Debo to become a really viable weapon. If you're going to win the NFC West. Well, and, and I think, you know, George Kittles are not probably not even arguably your best player on offense. So he should, this is going to sound the way I'm going to say this is going to sound weird, but I think you know what I say. He should be treated as such. I mean, you, you right. can't have George Kittle having for 17 yards a game. I mean, that's like, yeah, it's insane. So you do need that. And then same with Brandon. Ayuk. he needs to, be the star that he looked like he was going to be. They traded down for him. I mean, they, you could make the argument that part of the reason they don't have DeForest Buckner is for Brandon Ayuk. So those it's, it's a little insane for, I was about to say a different word, but it just seems a little bit crazy for me that they're not more part of the game, especially Kittle. I mean, especially because you look at, if we're going to talk about 2019, I mean, Kittle was the game changer on offense Mm -hmm. often. 
So don't forget that that Sunday night football game against the Packers. He had like a broken bone in his foot and right. he had an and, incredible game. I mean, that's what they need from him. And, and if, I, if Kittle's getting double and triple teamed, like there needs to be other guys. Like you need to, other guys need to be getting open and it needs to be someone other than Debo Samuel. So that's, so that's kind of where I wanted to go is if you watch the Juwan Jennings touchdown, Kittle breaks in three defenders, follow him. And Jennings is just alone right. on the left side. And it's like, okay, that's great. But a, you need to figure out ways to get Kittle open. Like he's just too, too good of a playmaker to not like design a play. That's going to get, that's what Kyle Shanahan's good at. Get him running in space. Just get him involved. Um, and Chris, I think you, you hit it on the head. It's like, okay, if George Kittle is getting triple team to where they can't even throw the ball to him, how is Garoppolo not throwing for 300 yards against Philly? How are right. there not just people wide open all over the place? And I mean, I guess technically there were and he missed a couple throws, but if that's going to be the case, if teams are going to devote so many resources to George Kittle and maybe eventually Debo Samuel, then like numbers just say, other players need to be getting the football, whether whether it's Brandon Ayuk or, or otherwise. Yep. Yeah, Mic drop. Well, I think well, I think you you dare I say nailed it. <laughs> but I, you also nailed it. They have to find a way to get Kittle open. You cannot have George Kittle on your team and take him out of the passing. I mean, it's just it's just outrageous. So where where are we at on the 49ers defensively? Because I think it's I mean, we'll know a lot more after Sunday. I think that's one right. of the biggest points about Sunday. Um, but is there a chance that Diamador Lenore can stabilize one of the spots? And is there a chance that we we come back to September when it's like November and December and we were overreacting to the 49ers issues at cornerback? Or are we likely going to be saying yeah they had issues and they addressed it with a trade somehow well i think it's going to also depend a lot on health in the yeah. next few weeks i mean their so-called number one corner emmanuel mosley started on the COVID list had a hamstring injury and now is dealing with a knee injury so at the moment you have diamondor lenore and josh norman who is what 33 is that correct and sprained and his ankle Apparently. and sprained his ankle and had not participated in a camp in a training camp before the 49ers signed him. So if those are your corners, they're going to have to trade for a veteran. Um, I think they're going to have to do it anyway, because who can you count on mostly to stay healthy all season? I mean, it's not looking great thus far. Well, I, and Lenore, so much- I mean, I think Lenore has a, has a ton of potential, but he is still a rookie and I think we're going to see him target if he's starting. I think we're going to see him targeted a lot on Sunday for obvious reasons. That'll be a big test. Yeah, I, I think with cornerback, I mean, Devonte Harris is going to come back at some point. He had the hamstring injury and, and mm-hmm. began the season. Um, was he on pup or IR? I think he was IR because he made the, he made yeah, the team. Correct. Yeah. Um, so he, he'll be an option. Emmanuel Mosley will be back. So maybe those guys will stabilize the situation, but I think really what's what the most important thing with the cornerback situation is the division you're in and just all of the receivers in the NFC West, because there's no way the 49ers are going to win the NFC West if they can't cover those receivers, at least adequately. Right. And, 
and we know as effective as D Ford and Nick Bosa are like, it's, it's kind of a risk if, if you're putting all of your chips in that basket to where like, no, we're going to cover up our cornerback issues with our defensive line. Well, there's also a chance that one of your defensive linemen goes down and then your cornerback issues are, are magnified. Right. So like I, that's, that to me is another subplot of these next three weeks. It's that's going to be fascinating because you're going to go against uh, Devonte Adams and then Tyler Lockett and um, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf. Thank and you. D Eskridge, obviously. And Freddie Swain. <laughs> like, don't forget those guys. Yeah. Freddie Swain, obviously. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins. And Freddie doesn't week. listen to this podcast. So avid listener. <laughs> so well but this i mean this is something they should have dealt with in the offseason they correct. should have invested totally. in a veteran corner yes they yep. drafted two corners one of whom is looking like not going to be the answer um one of whom might be a fifth round gem but this is something they should have dealt with in the offseason and maybe their thought process was we're gonna have to deal with it eventually but let's see where everything plays out when it comes down to the trade deadline and see what we need to do but this is something they need to deal with because it's not a super strong without Jason Barrett, even with Mosley back, you're not looking at like yeah. a super strong cornerback situation. It's not like Jalen Ramsey's out and he'll be back next week. You know, right. anybody, but I do like, think like Casey Hayward, AJ Boye, like these are, these are free agents yeah. that they could have had that. Yeah. For went cheap. Elsewhere. Cheap. For cheap. Yeah, they like could have a one year deal. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it was, it was surprising at the time. And it took exactly one game for it to back, less than one game for it to back. One less than one game. But but to that to that point, if Emmanuel Mo- Emmanuel Mosley is a fine starting cornerback, like it's he's not ideally your number one, but if Lenore keeps playing like he's been playing and gets a little better as the season goes on, they they just need average cornerback play if their defensive line is going to be healthy. And Chris, like you said, if if you know. Nick Bosa or D Ford goes down, then obviously that's going to have a ripple effect. But what we know right now, if everybody's healthy and you have Emmanuel Mosley and Diamador Lenore, and then Josh Norman as a, as a fourth option, I don't think that that's awful. It's not again, awful. It's, no, it's not again, awful. That, again, like, like, like you guys both said, it's, it, they should have done better in the off season at the position, but it's why, like, I thought Philadelphia was going to be able to take advantage downfield of of Lenore and Norman, and they did. They got Lenore on the one play to to Quez Watkins, but there was no, there wasn't the deep ball wasn't there the way I thought it was going to be, and the downfield passing game wasn't there like I thought it would be, and maybe that's a little bit on the quarterback. Jalen Hurts is making a six start, maybe he's just not very good, but I thought for sure the Eagles would be able to take advantage of that, and they they couldn't. And, and so that's why it's definitely a concern. Like it's something that if you say, Hey, that you come from the future and say, Hey, the Niners won 10 games and miss the playoffs. It's like, Oh, their cornerback situation probably screwed. So that's, that's kind of why, but they are in a position right now that if Emmanuel Mosley isn't back this week or has another injury, they're in, they're in deep, you know what, this is a family pod. But, you can say you can say you deep can say shit, shit on this pod, yeah. <laughs> but they are they are they are in deep shit. And right now, if I were the 49ers, I'd be concerned about it because yeah. Emmanuel Mosley has not stepped set foot on a football field since training camp started. Right. 
Yeah. So. so let's let's end on this. Um, we talked about the three games coming up: home to Green Bay, um, home to Seattle, at Arizona. I want to get all of our predictions for Ooh. those those three games just right now as you see it before we get out of here. Tracy, let's start with you. Do I have to give scores or just if I think they're going to win? No, just no, no scores. Yeah, just win or lose. So bad that they will beat Green Bay. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) They will beat Green Bay. They will beat the Seattle Seahawks. They will lose to the Arizona Cardinals. Staying Mm -hmm. with your take. I'm staying with it. You guys, I I am all bought in here. I respect it. Kyle? We we got a critique about our podcast and we take the critiques very seriously. Mm-hmm. And uh, so thanks to Bang Bang 0636921265 uh, who said we're too negative. So uh-huh. um, I think the 49ers are going to go 3 0. I think they're going to outscore those three teams 1 million zero. <laughs> and we're well, going to witness, we're going to witness, we're going to witness the birth of the single greatest football team ever to walk the earth. Okay. Ever. Oh my god, I'm so excited! Wow, that's yeah. What that, a time that would to be, be alive. Be <laughs> Get your stories ready. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pre-write that. To yeah, six six hundred thousand to nothing on Sunday. Night. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo is going to throw for forty eight hundred touchdowns. <laughs> wow. Um. Okay. Well, that's at three zero. Honestly, like, is not great. It's not completely no, insane. Not at all. Not completely insane at all. It's not completely insane. Um, I'm going to say the 49ers beat the Packers. Uh, and it's going to be a really emotional game at Levi's Stadium. The fans will be back for the first time since the NFC Championship. Uh, also against the Packers. And, maybe and there, there's a chance it might look like one of those 2019 Packers games, which were both blowouts. And then I think they lose to the Seahawks. Um, because it'll be sort of a letdown. There will be this big emotional ride that they go on against the Packers and they just won't have the necessary verb against the Seahawks. And then they come back and bounce back and beat Arizona. And that ends up being a huge win going into the bye. And they're four and one and they're right in the thick of things um, in terms of the way we talk about them as far as NFC West contenders. And I think just contenders in the NFC overall. The Seahawks, for what it's worth, are at the Vikings this week. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably a win for the Seahawks. Yeah. Probably. I'm really interested to see how their defense handles the Vikings. The yeah. Vikings can put up some points. They and I don't think stuff. the Seahawks defense is very good. They're not. They're better than they were last year, but they certainly are not good. They did upgrade a little bit at pass rush, but they're they're not good. They're not great. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. They're not good. 49ers could use DJ Reed. No. Yes. Yeah. They could have used DJ Reed last year. Yeah. They that could was, definitely use DJ Reed. That's it was an unfortunate situation. Unbelievable swing and miss that like it's not consequential enough to talk about it a lot, but it's worth bringing up every once in a while. He said, and I and will Kat's never forget about it too, because I loved his confidence on his conference call. First conference call we had with him. He said, I just make plays. It's what I do. <laughs> I just make plays. And I was like, you know what? I appreciate your confidence. And now a few years later, I'm like, you know what the 49ers could use DJ Reed making plays. You know what? Like, honestly, I thought DJ Reed when they had him was just one of the most fearless and like most badass dudes that they had. Mm -hmm. Like I, I thought he was, he, he had potential to be really good. And I was just shocked that they put him, that they subjected him to waivers. 
Yeah. Like that was that was just wild to me because he was so versatile. He could play nickel. He could play free safety. He could play outside cornerback. And depth was an issue then. Right. And he wasn't so even was... hurt enough to be done for the season. Yeah. Who evaluated that? Yeah, that wasn't like, that was not wasn't a good great. move. Was he was. Like I said, it's it's not like he's an all pro, so we should talk about it. But it's worth bringing up. Yeah, that particularly colossal blunder. He's depth at a position that has been lacking depth for some time now. It's the position that we've talked about the most on this pod. Yeah, is cornerback, and he could be an answer playing well for a division rival like that. It doesn't get a lot worse than that. He intercepted the 49ers in their game last year. Can we call this podcast the DJ Reed podcast? Uh, Yeah. Candlestick Chronicles, a DJ Reed story. A DJ Reed story. (laughs) Or what is the deal with corner? Where are you, DJ Reed? That would be if we were able to get. What's the deal with corner? If we were able to get DJ Reed on the pod, that would be that would be spicy. I'm on it. Because he would just. I'm sure he has feelings on the 49ers and the way they handled the situation. That would be spicy. Oh, you're actually writing this down. I, I don't yeah. think he's writing reads. this down. I don't it's not Kyle Madsen's first rodeo. I don't I don't know that Seahawks PR is going to be dying to get DJ Reed on a uh, four. Chances. No, chances. Chances are it's not uh, happening now, um, but that's an offseason pod. OK. Yeah. All right. Set it. Setting the bar high. I like it. Um, all right. Let's get out of here. This was a midweek pod. Kyle looks very perplexed at something happening right now. You okay? Yeah. Is your yep. house on fire? I don't know. It kind of smells like it. Okay. Well, then maybe this is where we. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't why don't you why, why don't you get off? I'm gonna Zoom. go attend to that smell. Yeah. Okay. And, uh... Uh, please, please shoot us a text and just let us know everything's okay. <laughs> if I don't yeah. text you, you'll know. All right, and maybe tweet about it later so the listeners will uh, will also know you're okay. I'm not going to tweet about it because if it's nothing, I'm not going to be like, hey, weird smell in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was just me. Fair you know? Fair. Thanks All for right. having me, guys. This was a lot of fun, as always. Yeah, Thanks Tracy Sandler, uh, our favorite Instagram influencer, I got friend it. of Tom I got Brady it. and specialized baker. Oh, you stepped on my face. Oh, yeah, I am a good baker. Also a Dodger fan. Also a Dodger fan, yes, we know. Um, Kyle, did you have more you wanted to add, or did I just step on it? Really? No, you stepped on it. All right, sorry. Fangirl Sports Network. <laughs> Instagram influencer. All right, we'll uh, see you guys later in the week with a more in depth preview of the 49ers game against the Packers Sunday night. Yeah. Subscribe, rate, and review. Do all three. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.